This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Okie dokie, folks. Welcome back. Hey, let's talk about gardening today. I know it's the end of a summer beginning of, a, of autumn and winter and all that kind of stuff. And a lot of things, you know, segueing in and out. Some things are still petering out. Some are, are going full full blast. My jalapeno peppers are doing great. My corn is all burned up. And I'm talking about flower bed stuff. I don't have a garden garden. I've got stuff stuck in little groups here and there. It's vegetables and herbs and all. It's flowers in my regular flower bed. But um, I have planted some stuff. I got my beets and my carrots, both of which I can probably buy for 70 cents more than I eat all year. But anyway, I got I got those planted. going to set out some uh, broccoli and cabbage this weekend. Again, in pots and flower beds as ornamental plants. But there's a couple of things that are going full strong I want to talk about a little bit later. But uh, this is this is a, it's a party, and I'm not going to dominate it. If you've got some things you want to chat about, things on your gardening mind, things you want to try, some stuff that's bothering you, or maybe you heard something you're not quite sure about, or maybe you just want to argue with somebody. I'm not going to try to sell you anything. I don't have an agenda uh, other than what would my mother do, and, um, you know, it was horticulturally correct. And other than that, try to throw a little intellectual honesty in there. Um, I'll talk about just about anything. And if I don't know somebody else, it'll help us both out. It's toll-free, 1-877-MPB-RING. MPB is from Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Um, so anyway, if you want to give us a call, let's let's, let's do that. Uh, I do have some things I want to chat about a little bit, but let's just jump right in and go to, to Collinsville, talk to Kennedy. Hey, how are you, lady? Uh, well, this is her teacher at the moment. Oh, daughter. a teacher. How you doing, okay. Man? So what are you calling about, Kennedy, uh, one of your students? Well, we're learning about the food chain, and yeah. uh, and it, this is the worm grunter guy. I called a few times this oh, past yeah, summer okay. when we were on for, we're worm, quarantine. Yeah, uh, we we're learning about the food chain. And we're talking about plants, and Kennedy had a question, so we're calling this in the classroom Fridays with Felder. Ooh. and uh, she's going to uh, ask you the questions. I'm going to put her on right now. Okay. Okay. Good morning, All Kennedy. Right. How are you, Kennedy? What's going on, lady? Hey. Um, my question is, when you when you plant black-eyed peas, can you pick them when they're not ready and replant them as seeds, and would it grow black-eyed peas again? Well, it's, it, that's a really good question, but seeds have got to mature. You know, and In other words, it can start making a seed, but it's not re- until it gets hard in the thing, then it's not, it's not able to sprout. In other words, it's plucking it too early. So if you're going to try to save the seeds, you know, usually we eat black-eyed peas when they're just you know, soft and ready to eat. But if you want to save the seeds, you need to leave a couple of three pods on the plant till the pods dry up. And the seeds will be hard, sort of like, you know, you go to the store and you find these bags of, of, of dried beans, and then they're able to, to, uh, to store themselves over the winter. If you pick them while they're, before they're ready, they tend to, to decay. So you need to let a few pods stay on the plant, Kennedy, until, they, until the pods turn brown and the seeds, the little peas or beans are, are hard. And then you save those and plant them the next spring. Good question, though. Thank you. Oh, I want to throw out something else. Here's something really weird. You know, a plant that flowers and makes seeds, what it wants to do is make seeds and make more plants. 
Uh, because of that, if you leave too many of the beans on there to dry, it'll stop making it's thinking everything's good and it'll stop making fresh beans. So a lot of vegetables and like okra and peas and all, you need to pick some all along to make sure the plant keeps on producing more flowers and more stuff. So, you know, in other words, don't just let it all go to seed. That's a great question, though, Kennedy. Thank you. Okay, appreciate it. Alrighty, I feel like I'm back in school or something. I <laughs> appreciate that. Uh, I have three different kinds of basil I want to talk about. Some of you are basil people, basil, basil, whatever. I'm going to talk about this in a little while, but I'll slide back to Jackson. Hey, Jim, how are you this morning? Good morning, Felder. Jim Rosenblatt here. How are yeah, you doing? I'm fine, thanks. What's up, Dean? I had a crepe myrtle that had the black mold on there. Yep. And I cut it down, but I didn't dig out the stuff. And it's sending shoots back up that look pretty healthy. Yeah. Do you think I could cut that back to three or four shoots and still have a healthy plant? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I've seen people prune crate myrtles with pickup trucks when they've had too much to drink along the, the roadside, and they sprout back out, and they'll actually bloom. There's one in my neighborhood uh, that had the uh, this scale on it, this really bad new insect, and they cut it almost to the ground, sprouted back long, tall, seven, eight, nine-foot stems that bloomed. You know, you could do that every year, sort of like just cut it to the ground and let it start back over again because it blooms on new growth. Okay, so that black mold won't affect uh, the new growth. No, the black mold is uh, is is a is a mold that's growing on drippings from insects, either aphids or scale or something like that. And as long as the plant is outgrowing the insects, then uh, again, the, it's the the drippings from insects that the black mold grows on. The black mold's not the problem itself. Okay, thanks a lot, Felder. Okay, appreciate it. Oh, I think that, that, that last caller, uh, Kennedy, I've got some okra in my yard, three plants, just three plants, but <laughs> that's, that's enough. And it's a variety called burgundy. The leaves are burgundy. The flowers are that pretty kind of a yellowish pink. And um, the pods are burgundy. And I've left them on there to get some size on them. And because of that, they're not blooming anymore. So if I go in this afternoon and cut the pods off, frustrate the plant to where it won't make any more seeds, then it'll kick it back into flowering more pods. If I want to eat okra, I need to keep picking it, keep it from going to seed. Now let's uh, go to, uh, I think, in Terry. Is that that right, Jackie? That's right. Yeah. Howdy. What's up? Uh, I need to know how to propagate our root, coleus, lantana, gardenias. Uh, just the best way. I tried to coat it in some water, and it just seemed to rot the ends of it. It didn't root. Well, so I, 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 you know, not all plants root easily in water, but though, but those three do root quite well. Uh, ba- uh, coleus, basil, and even gardenias, they usually root pretty quick. Try this uh, next time. When you make the cutting, strip off all but, you know, two or three leaves at the top. Make sure that the part you stick in the water doesn't have leaves on it. Just snip them off. Don't strip them. And, uh, and as soon as you put it in the water, make a fresh cut on the bottom. And make sure your water is clean water, uh, rain water or something like that. Um, and you might need to, I don't know, change it a couple of times the first week to, to, to get the, the mold from. I mean, I lose stuff like that, too, but it's just usually because the water went funky. Okay. But they're and pretty easy. I just, should I put... Can I put more than one in a glass of water? Like, oh yeah, oh yeah. I, I root I root gardenias uh, to to share, and also uh, a rosemary roots really really fast too. But again, small cuttings, you know, just a few inches long. Most of the leaves stripped off, and change water a couple of three times the first week or two. Okay, and lantana the same way. 
Lantana may not be quite, you know, I've never grown Lantana from, from cuttings in water. I don't see why it wouldn't, but it's a real dry, so I'm not quite, I know that they root easily. I just don't know if they root well in water because they have more of a kind of a woodier stem. Okay. I mean, they, they might, okay. they might. Thanks a bunch. Okay, appreciate it. Okay, anybody root lantern in water? Help me out here. Help us both out. And uh, meanwhile, let's go to, uh, slide up to Memphis, Tennessee. Hey, Frankie, good morning. Good morning, Felder. What's up? I have um, a issue with my azalea, and I was looking online, and they they recommend an, um, it lye will- or iron. And so I saw there's ironite and there's ironite chalet. Spray and there's also, you know, the lime, the dolomite lime. Could yeah. You? Okay. Okay. The the lime is different. Lime and iron are not the same thing. They're not. No. Lime is lime is uh, as uh, it's a mineral that that has uh, a limestone. It's ground up limestone, and it makes the soil more alkaline. Azalea is like acidic soil. So lime, there's only a handful of plants I would never put lime around in. Azaleas, camellias, blueberries, the acid-loving plants are, are the ones. So I would never put any lime around them. And as far as the iron, uh, with that, that chile, that's, that's chelated, and it just means it's, it's more readily absorbed. And you can use that as a spray, and it goes right into the leaves and, and should perk them up. So what seems to be the problem, though? Are you, are you sure it's an iron deficiency? Well, I'm not sure. It's lost its leaves, and I know we've had lots of rain. Uh-huh. So I did what you suggested. I, I kind of picked it up and put some peat moss in the uh, hole. Uh-huh. And uh, I'm uh, hoping it'll come back. I use that. I also use that um, stop rot. Yeah, no, you see, that's, that's liquid calcium, and azaleas are... Calcium makes soil. It's used to correct an acidic soil, or to provide calcium. So, no, uh, is this a fairly new plant? Yes, it is. Okay, right off the bat, new plants are going to suffer from root problems, staying wet, dry, wet, dry, because they've been grown in pots that are watered every day, and the extra water drains out. When you put it in the hole, it either dries out too quick because it's used to being watered every day, or it stays wet because you fill the hole up with water. See, so that that little transition of putting a, a new plant out, you got to really watch to make sure you're watering enough to keep it going without rotting it because it doesn't have a hole in the bottom of that hole anymore. So a lot of times it's just a watering problem. Um, if you had loosened up the roots of the azalea when you put out, you know, work the peat moss into your dirt, mix them together, and then loosen the roots up, it'll have a better chance of growing strong new roots. But I would suspect it's not a, 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 an iron deficiency, which shows up as the leaves turning green, but the veins, excuse me, the leaves are turning kind of yellow, but the veins stay green. Uh, that's one of the one of the causes of that is iron deficiency. I would think it's more a, a watering thing, keeping it too wet or letting it go a little too dry between soakings. All right. And, uh, and I would not put the lime around. I wouldn't put the stop rot because those are calcium. That's for for plants that like an alkaline soil. Okay. What about uh, a red sage? I'm I'm trying to transplant that, but it doesn't seem to take root. Are uh, you talking about the salvia that's called red sage? Yes. 
It's a it's a, a pretty drought tolerant. It's native to, to Texas and Mexico. To give you an idea, uh, when you when you transplant something, uh, you know, for one thing or the other, it's real important to either loosen up the roots or cut the plant back to take stress off the root, and it'll put out some strong new growth that's better balanced with the roots. So if you're having trouble with it struggling, try cutting it back. Let it put out. You know, that takes immediate stress off the roots, and it stimulates some strong new growth. Getting kind of late in the season for that, though. So I'd get right on if you're going to give to try. All right. Thank you so much. Okay. Good luck on it. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. That was uh, Frankie from up in Memphis. We're going to take a really, really short break, a minute or, t- or so, and uh, we're going to come back. Got some callers on the line. I do have three different kinds of basil. I got the regular uh, basil everybody cooks with, the green with the curly leaves. It just smells like basil. I also have one that's got purple leaves. Purple East Burgundy. It's not really purple, not burgundy, but really, really strong and, uh, and good flowers. And I have one called African Blue Basil. The stems are blue. Great flowering plant. Too strong to eat. I mean, it is too strong to do anything with, but it is one of the best butterfly, bee, and hummingbird plants in my garden. African Blue Basil. Garden centers can get it next year. So anyway, just put that on your radar. Different kinds of basil are pretty and some of them, when you're tired of looking at them, you can eat them. We'll be right back with the Gestalt Gardener here on MPB right after this. contractor ever tell you of the price of something and it sounds so high you think eh, maybe I'll try it myself. Some jobs just aren't that difficult and yes you can do it. If you want to find out how to do those things listen to Fix It 101 podcast everywhere. Okie dokie, folks. Welcome back. Um, Horticulture's Felder Ruskin here at Mississippi Public Broadcasting. You're part of this garden party we call the Gestalt Gardener. And by the way, Java, I just our boss man just said that this week this program just passed 100,000 downloads for the podcast. Yeah, we've been uh, rocking doing, and rolling, doing our thing with the podcast. Subscribe now. <laughs> yeah, and you, uh, uh, you, you always every every. Every week after the program, you upload it, but you also have a picture, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. I got a I got a really creepy picture this week. Well, let's do it. <laughs> I'm scared now. No, no, it's okay. Uh, I had a I was walking up the street the other day, and a neighbor said, "Fella, have you ever seen this before?" She had this native wildflower called Coreopsis, and you know, yellow flowers, sort of golden, buttery yellow flowers. One was just as purple as it could be. And she said, I've never seen that before. And I didn't have the heart to tell her that a couple of weeks ago I was walking home from the hardware store. Uh-huh. And I just happened to have some purple paint. <laughs> so I spray painted one of her Coreopsis purple. I didn't think anybody would notice. Oh, no. <laughs> but uh, all this all this sea of yellow, they got one purple thing. It was, you know, it's like Alcorn State. And it threw, you know? her, it threw her for a loop. <laughs> yeah, Alcorn State or, or uh, LSU. Anyway, one purple flower. Anyway, she, she sent me a picture of it. I, I like to post on there. Just And the native plant people are going to get upset with me. But if any of them complain, I hope they don't put on mascara just shut up we're having some fun here okay <laughs> okay let me see who let's let's uh talk to bill bill is calling from neshoba county what's going on out there man hi there howdy uh, i am uh looking at a uh bed that's five by 15 mm-hmm. uh, that i had been putting branches and uh, other stuff in. I was going to do some uh, hugel culture. That's a cool, yeah. cool thing. And then, about six, eight weeks ago, a local chicken farmer said he'd give me, uh, you know, 
pickup truck full of uh, dried chicken manure. Yeah, that's a that's a lot. (laughs) That's a lot. Yeah, I put it on top of all of those uh, branches and stuff that was rotten, and uh, covered them up with hay. And I'm just wondering, you know, uh, know, I've been on the web, and it says, well, six to eight weeks is enough, and then other uh, places on the web says six to eight months. Yeah. So. Well, they're they're all making it up. They're all making it up. (laughs) Here's the deal. It depends on 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 how much you put out there, but also what the age was. If it was old, then it's probably you know not as strong as fresh. You know, so the older it is, the less like it's going to burn. This was old enough to be dry. I mean, he put it under in his barn, and he was going to spread it. But uh, he said, "I'll give you, you know, I'll give you a scoopful," and yeah. that's what he did. Well, you know, if, if if it's if it's more than a few months old, I wouldn't worry about it. But if it's less than a few months old, and again, that's that's real. That's as specific as anybody who knows what they're talking about can get. So, uh, but what, were you going to plant something in this fall or what? Well, yeah. Well, this fall, uh, no. I was looking at the spring, oh, or it's, late it's the, winter, it, 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 some strawberries. It's no, no problem anyway. No problem at all. Um, I'm worried about you know hugo culture. By the way, a good friend of mine named Jesse Yancey uh, does hugo culture on top of a of a driveway. He just he made some little frames of oh. some logs. He put uh, logs, small branches. Uh, and then a bunch of twigs, and then a bunch of leaves, mm-hmm. and then threw some manure on top of that. And it, within a few months, made the most beautiful soil because yeah. it's bacteria and fungi that, that do the work. The the manure has got nitrogen, which feed the bacteria and fungi, see? So what I would do is, is if you get a chance, also throw just a little bit of real dirt on top because that okay. it, that inoculates it. With the bacteria and fungi, you know, there's already plenty there, but this would help speed it up and make it more, you know, creamier, I guess. Uh huh. By, by real dirt. Yeah, dirt. My garden. That no, would no. Be yeah, yeah. D i r t dirt stuff that's <laughs> dug out of the ground, not not this bag stuff, this bark and all that stuff. Real D i r t dirt. And all well, it takes is just. I'm, I'm just saying that my garden is is clay. And no, no, nothing, nothing wrong with clay. Nothing wrong with clay. Okay. You know, they say, well, Adam was made out of clay. It's just too much of a good thing. All we're trying uh-huh. to do is throw a little clay on there that's got natural bacteria and fungi to inoculate your other stuff. It's not going to turn it uh-huh. into clay. So just, just throw it right. on, sort of like you would salt and pepper on an egg. Uh-huh. Okay. Great. I but can do that. It, no, no problem. Uh, I, I, one quick question about the strawberries, though. Strawberries are planted in the wintertime. They bloom in the spring, set... Uh, the the strawberries to be harvested by summer, and you know your dirt may not be quite ready for something like that that needs already established dirt. So what you might want to do is think about planting some strawberries around the edge, you know where the stuff is already feels pretty like dirt. Mm-hmm. And uh, then put something else in the middle because strawberries, you know, they 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 they're they almost like planting annuals rather than perennial plants. Right. So you know, plant just some of those around the edge, and then you know, in the middle is when you plant your peppers and tomatoes and all that kind of stuff. Okay, so uh, so that's what I should plant in the in the middle this yeah. year, and then yeah. next year I can go for the yeah. Full put day. put the strawberries around the edge because strawberries generally are best treated as two year 
crops. You plant them one year, you harvest the berries, and next year, you know, they send runners out, and the next year those runners make berries. And then you thin them out and replant some of the runners. So every two years, if you replant the strongest of your strawberries, they'll be a lot more productive than trying to keep a tangled old thing that's going to have snails and slugs and snakes and all that <laughs> stuff in it. Okay. Okay, good luck right. on it, man. Thank you. All righty, now let's slide over to Mobile. Hey, Mikey, good morning. Hey, good morning. I haven't had as much coffee this morning yet, so okay. I, I, should, I shouldn't be bouncing. That's, that's okay. okay. No, nothing wrong with bouncing. <laughs> I bounce when I talk. Well, when I get up really, like, 3 o'clock because it's too hot to do it, you know, yeah. and start early. Yeah, well, anyway. What can uh, I help but, you with? Uh, well, first of all, I'd like to – can I make a comment um, about my experience with Rooting Lantana? And yeah. then I have a quick – Quick answer, okay. question, and then I have a big problem. Okay, well, so, we, we okay. got a, we so got a bunch of callers on the line. Yeah, let's know, go through I'll them quick. quick. Okay, first of all, the lantana, um, when I stuck the la- I pruned back, cut the lantana back really hard and stuck it down to mark around where I'd stuck the uh, um, yard-long beans on the fence right. so it wouldn't stomp on them. Right. And when I went back before the beans, you know, just after the beans were up, the lantana had already started rooting itself. Yeah. And... Um, so this, the, the question is about beans, um, and this relates to Kennedy's um, question. <laughs> I don't know as much about it as she does, probably. Um, uh, if the beans, if you leave the beans on until, do you have to leave all, I'm, I'm not clear. Can you leave one or two pods yeah, on a sure. plant? Absolutely. And, That's what I do. And pick the rest of them. That's what I do. And the plant still survive. Absolutely. No problem at all. That's what I do. I, you know, I leave a few on there early because the early ones could be less likely to have insect or disease damage but I, I, I pick most of them off so just a few are left so it doesn't stunt the plant okay that's i wasn't i just wasn't clear yeah. about that my big problem though i don't i'm pretty sure you're going to tell me to just wait for next year um with the drought that we've had i started watering everything trying to uh, trying to keep it alive i was good about being um diligent with the steady watering but then it got so hot everything was just wilt 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 everywhere right. even the basil started wilting yeah well, welcome and to my I world got, yeah. i got a bunch of them i got a bunch of plants that are all you know with the same symptoms whether they're not watered enough or overwatered so now everything is drooping yeah. And I quit watering several days ago, and everything is frying yeah. on the plant. So wait till next year is my best shot. No, if you want the plants to survive, water them. They just don't need to be watered every day. I've got one of the, the one of probably ten very complex gardens in Jackson. I mean, and I, I, I we we all know each other. I've got more plants in the small space than you can imagine. Uh, but there's nothing that I water more. I've got a few small potted plants that I water every two or three days. But there's no my big pots once a week. My shrubs maybe once a month. I mean, at the most. See, but if it's drooping, it needs some help or else kiss it goodbye. But you don't have to keep it wet. Just a good deep soaking and then let it get to where it needs watering again before we give it a good In other words, don't water too often, but don't let them die. Well, I must have messed up some of them, but some of them are still okay. So that's, hey, that's, 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 anyway. that, that's the way it is in my garden. That's exactly, you know, everybody who's got a garden like ours, they're all not, yep, that's, that's the way we do it, too. But so, sometimes you get a surprise in what to use for a stake roots, and there you go. Yeah, you know? and some, sometimes good plants that are grow in a cemetery, they're that tough, will die because, uh, you know, bad dirt or just not enough rain. So, yeah, it's 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 
it's like cooking. You got to watch your pots and know when to stir. I okay. guess that's a good thing unless you believe in cremation, but I suppose even that would help. Huh? Uh, cremation is fine, but it's not great for your flowers. Anyway, okay. good luck on it, Mike, Mikey. Thank you. Okay, see ya. Okay, now let's go to, uh, I think, Utica? Is that Lauren? Yes, sir. Howdy, what's going on? I was just, uh, you had asked earlier, I've had great success rooting Lanskana and water, but yes. I always use, I always use uh, my mom actually gave me a vase just for that purpose for Christmas. It's a, it's a purple color. Oh, just a, and, <laughs> a rooting jar. Yeah, and it, and it works wonderfully. And then she has a, she also has a, like a smoked glass rooting jar that she uses, and she can root anything in it. She's magic. So You know, you, now this, this is just, just nothing but theorizing, but it could be that clear glass allows algae and, and uh, bacteria to develop too quick, sort of like in a hummingbird feeder. And well, it I, might I be that the color... I think you're absolutely right because I also do all my rooting in in good indirect sunlight as opposed to a lot of really direct sunlight that would be those those oxygen uh, monsters like your your algae and your bacteria. So well, see, I I never really thought about, it, but I always root stuff in old milk and magnesia bottles, and it's not because of science; it's because I had them and I think they're pretty. But <laughs> well, but but the opaque the opaque may keep the bacteria. And the algae, but mostly the the bacteria that goes the, the, from from messing up the plants. That might be what it is. There you go. Well, how how quick? How long does it take to to root uh, lantana in water? Uh, several weeks. Okay. You have to be really patient, and like you said, you've got to watch the water and make sure it doesn't turn turn scummy. Yeah. Keep it fresh. Okay. And I, and I always I, I use tap water, but I let the tap water sit out for twenty four or forty eight hours before I put let, it. let the chlorine evaporate. Well, I mean, I, I I'd heard that you can root it, but I'm glad to talk to somebody about accident. I've rooted gardenias, I've rooted basil, I've rooted um, uh, coleus, but I just never have rooted the lantana. Oh yeah, I, I'll stop and knock on someone's door and ask if I can take a cutting. <laughs> you know, non gardeners don't understand that people who have flowers in a the garden they don't they're not surprised when somebody knocks on the door and says, oh, "What is that?" My grandmama used to get. You mind if I take a piece? That's right. That's okay. Right. Well, Lauren, I really appreciate it. Thank you so You're much. Welcome. All right. Bye. All righty. Uh, let's take another call before we uh, – I got a little short cheesy music today, but let's go to, I, I think, is this Anna? Uh, Dean in Grenada. Hey, Dean, how are you this morning? I'm uh, doing good. Enjoy your program. Appreciate it. Thanks for joining it. Uh-huh. Uh, you've got a couple of calls uh, about cutting earlier today. And, yeah. Uh, uh, one, uh, you said at the end, mentioned the difficulty of rooting cuttings from woody plants. Yeah. Uh, I've got azaleas and camellias. Uh, one particular azalea, to be honest, I've kind of let it get overgrown. Uh-huh. About 14 foot tall, 25 years old. It's growing out over my uh, sidewalk. I'm going to have to do some pruning. Uh, but what I was thinking of doing is trying to make some cuttings from it. So what would your suggestion be for my best chance of success? Well, every azalea that's sold, and we're talking about millions, are grown from cuttings. You know, so, so they root. Not all woody plants root well in water. Gardenia is a classic exception. Gardenias and rosemary root quickly in water, but azaleas, camellias, uh, they're slower to form roots. And until they form roots, they're, they're more susceptible to rotting in the water or dropping the leaves and stuff. So they're rooted best in moist potting soil. 
that's kept moist but not wet with a plastic bag over them to keep humidity high, sort of like a greenhouse. And that's done not in the sun, but in real bright indirect light. Uh, this year's growth, the stuff that came out since spring, when it kind of toughens up a little bit, that's typically uh, azaleas are rooted in uh, June, July, August. You know, you could probably still get get by with it, but I get right on short cuttings, three or four or five inches long, most of the leaves stripped off in moist potting soil, covered with a plastic bag and indirect light, not not full sun. And uh, but but it was starting to get late because it takes uh, several weeks for those roots to form. Okay. All right. Well, I sure appreciate it. I'll give it a shot. Yeah, over the wintertime, you can cut the plant back. Well, after it gets through blooming in the spring, if you can live with it over the wintertime, one more winter, when it gets through blooming, cut it way, way back. It'll sprout out in no time, and then you can root cuttings off that new growth. All right. Well, maybe I will wait, or maybe I'll, I'll try a little bit now and a little bit later. There you go. Good luck on it, man. All right. Thanks a lot. Uh, I think we can let's squeeze it just one of the call for you, if that's all right with you, because Ann's been hanging on quite some time from Greenville. Hey, Ann, what's going on in the Delta? Not much, not much. Brandon, not Greenville. Oh, okay. Well, what's up? I'd... Oh, I had a question, another question about compost, um, or I guess that was culture. <laughs> yeah, culture is called a mound culture. You put you put logs, then branches, then leaves, then some dirt on top, and it decomposes into a kind of a spongy thing that holds moisture and releases nutrients slowly. It's been done forever in small spaces, but you know, just piling up branches and limbs and leaves between trees will decompose quickly enough where you can plant ferns and azaleas and all sorts of stuff. In. So it's just slow, big time composting. Okay, well, my question is, when I had a big barrel, um, I was putting just kitchen scraps in it, and it filled up pretty quick after a while, but I didn't really know anything about composting it, so I didn't add anything but uh, kitchen scraps. Right, a lot lot of stinky moisture and fruit flies. Yeah, yeah, it it was. And is there anything, and so I just kind of left it out there and just waited. Is it eventually just going to turn into what it's supposed to be. It, it, it will, but in general, composting is just breaking down organic matter, okay? Cows do it by eating hay, and they digest it, and it comes out the other end. Manure and compost are pretty similar. But uh, but the, it's better to go with uh, bulky stuff, what they call brown stuff like leaves, uh, shredded paper, cardboard, that kind of stuff, with is the bulk and then add your wet stuff, your vegetable scraps, coffee grounds, things like that, uh, to help speed it up. So it's good to have a ratio of of uh, what we call brown stuff and wet or green stuff. Uh, otherwise, the, the wet stuff, like, like you take grass clippings and pile them up, they turn into a slimy mess. You put leaves out there, and they take forever to break down. But you throw some some grass clippings on some leaves, and it quickly composts into beautiful stuff. So it's that combination that really works best. Oh, okay. Well, that's really helpful. And uh, do you, like, if you don't tend your compost, like, cover it and no, stir I, I, it? And I, I, it's, it's, it's called a leaf pile. 
You know, a leaf pile is a slow compost. Uh, I have an area in my garden back behind a little rock wall, and I throw everything. I blow leaves. I rake leaves. I throw in my banana peels, I, you know, everything. Uh, last night I threw the, the little stem in of my peppers out there. And by throw, mixing the leaves and the and little twigs and, 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 and uh, vegetable scraps and stuff, it breaks down. It, once it starts breaking down, it takes a, a few weeks or a, or a couple of three months. But once it starts, what I do is I throw stuff on one side and dig compost out of the other. And I just, it's a continual in and out process. But all a compost is a managed, intense, sped up leaf pile. A leaf pile is compost. Uh, okay, okay. Well, and and also one other quick question about uh, I planted pumpkins last year and they really uh, the vines went everywhere and then I didn't get any pumpkins. Yeah. And this year I was going to try to do it a little bit more according to the book and my uh, vines have not grown very much. Any? Uh, yeah, bad weather. Bad weather. Mine did the same thing. I mean, I had pretty crappy crops on some things that normally that people could just grow. Uh, my my uh, my gourds haven't done anything, you know. But I got my seeds from a fella, and his are going everywhere. I got loads with the gourds. So, soil, rainfall, watering, sunshine, fertilizer—all those things are going to affect it. And some years always going to be better than others. Keep trying. Well, I did get some blooms. So you never know. Maybe I'll have some pumpkins on the well, my, little tiny uh, vine. Uh, mine are blooming now, but they're all male flowers. You have to have male and female to get gourds or squash or melons and pumpkins. Yeah, and it, things did, like. it did look like they were all female. Yeah. So just wait and see. Okay. Thank keep, you. Keep trying. I will. <laughs> Alrighty, folks. I've got a little short, cheesy tune. It's about a minute and a half or so like that. I, I edited it down because I had a lot of the, you know, this guy was just real proud of what he does and he kept going on and on about it. So we just cut to the chase. So we're going to do that and come back with more of your calls here on Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Um, I've been smelling seeds in here. I found a magnolia tree that's got the little cone-looking thing with those red, bare-looking things sticking out. I rubbed it in my fingers, and it's the most unique smell. That orangey flesh inside the red seeds of magnolias is a really, mm, it's a unique kind of smell. Not a, necessarily a great smell. It's neither good nor bad. It's pungent, but it reminds me of my childhood, smelling old magnolia seeds on the ground under a magnolia tree. Part of gardening is the way things look. Parts what they, they sound like. Parts what they smell like. We'll be right back. Ground. On a family farm with your kids 
righty, folks. Welcome back. Horticulture's Felder Rushing. Me and Java Chapman and Kevin Farrell here at MPB. Uh, I want to give a shout-out to a gardener I met last week, Sharon Wilcox. She and I were talking about getting plants from other people. Sometimes they knew about it, sometimes they didn't. But uh, the trick is to make sure you share somebody, share your plants with other people. And also, before we go to those phone calls, uh, I don't know if I told this last week, but since we're talking about decomposing things, it seemed like this vulture was going to be getting on an airplane. I've already told this Java. No. This vulture was trying to get on an airplane. He was in the line, and he had a, he had a dead armadillo under one wing, and he had a dead skunk under the other wing. And they said, sorry, you can't get on this plane. He said, why not? He said, only one carry-on allowed per passenger. Okay. All righty. Better go to... I sh- promise I have the rim shot next joke. <laughs> Let's go down to Ocean Springs. Hey, Hugh, how are you this morning? Thank you, and I, I, I think that's a great joke. Thank you. Hilarious. It, was, it wasn't exactly. <laughs> it was sort of clean. <laughs> What's going on? What's up? Uh, well, I'm calling about something I think. Virginia buttonweed. Oh, boy. Ain't it great? Uh, you still there? The fence so far has been pulling it out, but it is so prolific, especially here when it's gotten really hot and humid. Yeah. And, is that uh, about right? Yeah. And uh, Virginia buttonweed is a problem pretty well all, you know, all the way up to Tennessee. And, uh, and it typically, you know, it loves moisture. Uh, it loves rainfall, it loves irrigation, it loves fertilizer. What it doesn't like is shade. So if you've got a lot of Virginia buttonweed, I sound like a broken record, but the best defense, first and foremost above everything else, is raise your mower and throw away the wrench. Mow high and don't mow that often. People who cut a lot and cut close have weeds because grass just doesn't grow well like that, and weeds do. The, the The reason I recommend this, because if you mow higher, the Virginia buttonweed has to grow up over the top of the grass to get sunshine, and your mower will yank it out and eventually wear it out. Uh, the problem with spraying it's got a slick leaf, and weed killers beat up and roll off. And if you up the dose, those same weed killers that will kill Virginia buttonweed can kill St. Augustine or Centipede. So it's a tough yeah. one. It's a, it's a real tough one. Like my mower is as high as it will go. Well, try to, to you live higher. <laughs> well, no, it's just it don't, don't mow quite as often. You know, I mean, okay. this, 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 most people are – you're too young to remember shag carpet, but nobody liked it. We had a lot of it. Nobody liked it. But that's what St. Augustine Centipede are. They're shag carpet, not little throw rugs for the bathroom floor. Yeah. So, and there's oh, I really, had shag carpet in my van. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> 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 I, want anyway. part, I want a road trip with you. <laughs> anyway, no, there, there's, there are some weed killers that will control Virginia buttonweed. Um, and, and matter of fact, if you just Google Virginia buttonweed control, it'll take you to Florida, uh, Georgia, and I think Texas may have some good information. But anyway, it lists some things that if you spray lightly two or three times, Sort of like chemotherapy, you know. Don't do it so much. It's gonna, uh, you know, that yeah. that'll that'll wear it out. Raise your mower, and then if you're gonna use some weed killers, lightly, a couple of three times a week or two apart. Okay, and then I have one more. Uh-huh. I'm standing here looking at the base of this is a bay magnolia in my front yard. Yeah, and it has a big ant bed, and there's these big black ants. Oh yeah, they don't yeah. bite me. No, they but, don't sting. No. Are they eating the tree? 
Uh, sorta. Those are called carpenter ants. They're the big old black oh. ones. They're, but but they don't sting or bite. Where you see carpenter ants, they're not really destructive. They're secondary. If you've got some decay, uh, you know, some rot in there. Uh, yeah. they'll, they'll come in and they'll enlarge that to make their nests. So they don't, you know, they don't eat the wood like termites do. They're, they're a symptom that you've got some decay inside the tree. If the tree looks okay, I wouldn't worry about it because there's nothing you can, you can't get sprays up in there. And they're relatively harmless to people in gardens and they're beneficial to big things. So anyway, they're the symptom. There's some decay inside the tree. Okay. Not, not much you can do about it. So as long as the tree looks okay, uh, just it's okay to me. Yeah, look at them like little insect versions of cows. Okay. Good luck, on all them. right. Appreciate it, Hugh. Thanks. Bye. All righty, now let's go up to Tunica. Hey, Donna. Good morning. Good morning. Hello. Hello. What's going on? Um, I would just like to know uh, how to grow some garlic and the best soil, please. Okay, first of all, any good dirt, and you've got some good dirt, and we're not talking about Delta, that that, that uh, buckshot stuff, you know, but pretty good dirt in a flower bed type stuff, or in a container. You uh-huh. take the, you get the cloves, you know, the, the, the bulb's got several different individual cloves, they're called toes. Mm-hmm. Anyway, you stick them uh, oh, a couple of three inches deep in October, Late September, October, early November, they sprout out like daffodils. They grow over the wintertime. They bloom in the spring. I pop the blooms off so energy go down to the bulb instead of flowers. And then when the leaves uh, flop over, turn yellow and flop over in the spring, just dig them up. Okay, perfect. Thank you so much. Uh, good Have luck. a good day. Okay, appreciate uh-huh. it. Ah, I like easy questions, but I wanted to ask some other questions too. <laughs> anyway, let's go to Adamsville, Tennessee. What's up, Bruce? Listen, brother. Um, enjoy your show very much. Appreciate it. I have um, I have gladioles that have been in beds for, I'd say, a good eight years. Uh huh. L- last year, I noticed that a lot of them, matter of fact, too many of them, weren't flowering. They were greening all the way up. They grew yeah. to the you know three and a half foot. And then this year, I had some problems. But anyway, I was thinking I should have fertilized them. Is that what it's missing? A uh, little fertilizer helps because, you know, they don't have real big roots, real deep roots. You know, they start right. their roots over every year. And so fertilizer, their roots are shallow, and fertilizer typically washes away. But, uh, you know, fertilize them in the spring, you know, when they're starting to grow because they're, they're going dormant now. Also, have you dug them up and separated them, divided them at all? No, I haven't. I was thinking about moving them all. If, if I wanted to call you first yeah. and see uh, – yeah, take they, them out of the beds, let them sit over winter, and then, um, I mean, let them sit for a while and then put them in in late fall. Yeah, but that's that's old. When they die down, you know, because they get really, really crowded. And what I would do is I would dig up a few here and there, get the biggest ones and replant them and take the little ones and stick them someplace else or put them on the, on the curb with the sign say free flowers or something. But dig them up and then replant the big ones uh, two or three, four inches apart, and they'll bloom like crazy. Okay, what is the problem with them not blooming? Is it just they're getting crowded? They they get they get crowded, you know. And this happens uh, with a lot of old daffodils, a lot of things, you know. I, I've got okay. be- I have beets and uh, carrots in a little area of my garden, and they're real thick. And if I don't thin those out, they won't make roots. So I got to give each you. one its own room, and a little bit of uh, separate them sort of spread them out a little bit, give away the excess, and then after they come up in the spring, give them just a, a little bit, just a scant handful of fertilizer. Don't overdo it. Okay, real fast question now. When I dig, If I dig them up today and the rest of this week, 
How long should I let them sit out before I put them back in the ground? Till you cool down and stop sweating so much and get around to digging the dirt again. You can gotcha. leave it. You can leave them out till next spring. You can plant them right away. They don't care. Okay, I got you. Thank you very much for your time, sir. Okay, good luck and hey, wear a hat. It's hot and humid out there. Yeah, I, I know that. All right, bye bye. All righty, before we go to this next call, let me mention my heirloom plant of the week. I like to bring in native plants and food plants and heirloom plants. I have a vine that is, uh, it's actually a, a type of uh, a buddleia, you know, butterfly bush. Everybody knows a butterfly bush, butterfly shrub called buddleia. Well, this is a, it, almost a vine. It's a big arching shrub and the things hang down sort of like uh like wisteria, I guess, not as invasive. Uh, and it's got little clusters of pale lavender flowers that just bloom from spring till fall. Uh, and it's a, a, a trailing buddleia, super hardy, antique plant. Um, and I've heard it called Weeping Mary. I don't know why, but Weeping Mary. Uh, but if you're interested in this heirloom plant, it is a hardy, slightly spreading, not super invasive all blooming, all spring, summer, and fall blooming type of Buddleia. And uh, the Latin name is Buddleia Lind, or just remember L-I-N-D, take it from there, because it's, it's a German name from a, don't want to get into that. But Weeping Mary or Trailing uh, but, Butterfly Buddleia, L-I-N-D, and take it from there. It's a great old heirloom pass-along plant that once you got it, you'll have some to share with others without driving you nuts. Okay, now let's uh, slide down to Pascagoula to the coast. Hey, Brenda, how are you? Hi, Folder. I'm fine, thank you. Thanks for holding. What's up? I I bought two roses. Um, They're grafted. The name of them is Blue Girl, and they're a beautiful lavender with a wonderful smell. Mm -hmm. However, um... I thought I had rust, and I'm sure I did. Been spraying with neem oil, mm-hmm. and one of them just got so spindly, and I just went ahead and cut it back. I sent you an email on this, mm. and um, my sister has one that she put in a pot. It's doing beautifully. So should I dig them up and put them in a pot and see how they do? Well, you know, roses, and, and I grow lots of different roses in a cemetery, in my garden, in pots and raised beds, and some of mine do great, and some don't do well at all because of the type of roots they've got. If the if the dirt stays really wet or it stays really dry or it's not nutrient, they can't grow roots, and the plant's not going to be vigorous. Okay. Uh, now, so in a container, as long as she waters and fertilizes, it's going to have better roots than in just dirt that stays wet part of the time. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I wouldn't dig it up right now, though, because this is a real stressful time for plants. You know, if you wanted to dig it up and move it, uh, I'd wait till the leaves fall off in the fall through, or, you know, middle of the winter, you know, up until right. February, I, early March. I usually cut back in the winter. Yeah. Um, and that might be all it takes. You know, it might just be that it's overwhelmed its roots. You could cut. You could cut a few branches back now. We've got time for new growth to come out. As long as you get right on it, for new growth to come out on the coast and still bloom before, you know, because you're not going to get any frost till November, December, maybe not right. even January. But if you cut some of the stems back about halfway, whatever from the tip to where it started growing this past spring, cut a few branches back here and there. Uh, they'll they'll bush, th- th- That'll give the plant a little bit of a reprieve. Okay, I I have some uh, cuttings that I put in water. I googled it, and um, 
saw you know a, a video of uh-huh. a gentleman who did that, and he checked every one of them. He had about eight, and mm. some had roots, some didn't. Yeah, um, luck of the draw. So I, just, I just stuck some in water. Um, but and also, a friend told me that they like Epsom salt. Uh, the, everybody says Epsom salts because they got nothing else to say. <laughs> a little bit of Epsom salt doesn't hurt. A little bit more is like too much salt on your egg. A little bit Epsom salt is not a miracle. It's just one of the many micronutrients that plants need. It's not okay. a miracle thing. It's just an easy thing for people who don't know what to say to say. Okay. Well, I've also been putting coffee grounds around. No, no problem. But the main thing is watch your watering. Trying to keep it too wet. Yeah. Let's see what happens. Okay. Okay. Thank All you right. so much. Appreciate it, okay. Brenda. Thank you. Okay. Bye. And we got time to talk with Louise calling from Meridian. Hey, Louise. How are you? I'm fine. How are you this morning? Fine. We're starting to run out of time, though. What can I help you with? Real quick question. What's the name of the vine that you see all out in the woods that's blooming right now with the little white flowers on it? It's a type of uh, of wild clematis or clematis. Okay. Uh, it's called Virginiana. Some people call it, I uh, can't remember the com- common name of it. Uh, uh, um, clematis is fine. Yeah, but it's a Virginiana. I just can't okay. remember the common name for it, but it's a good native plant. Okay, thank you. All right, appreciate it. <laughs> Bye-bye. Woo! Asked, she asked me something I knew. Asked me something I knew. That was one of the easy ones. <laughs> well, you know, it wasn't that easy because I can't remember the whole name of it. Uh, Sweet Autumn Clematis. That's it. Sweet Autumn Clematis. The common name and the scientific name is always intriguing. Yeah, scientific name is so people in Japan and Germany and uh, South Africa and England and California, Mississippi all speak the same language. The common name is folk name, whatever they call it locally. Yeah. Mm. You know, just local names. Some people call them daffodils. Some people call them narcissus. Latin and common name. So anyway, it's been kind of rocking and rolling today. I brought in my old-fashioned uh, Budlea, the Budlea uh, Lindley. I can't even pronounce it, the c- c- Sweet Mary. I brought in three kinds of basil, including the one that's so good for butterflies and hummingbirds called African Blue. I brought in some seeds of magnolias with their real pungent flavor. And uh, I got some other stuff. We'll talk about those next week. If you got questions during the week, shoot me an email, garden at mpbonline.org. Uh, me and Java Chapman, uh, Kevin Farrell, all the folks here at MPB, through Monday through Friday, we have these, these programs with local produced people talking about local stuff. If you're not from the South, you may or may not get it. You may not understand it, but you're welcome. And we'll talk about that any old time. Uh, appreciate all you who tuned, who download the podcast. It surpassed 100,000 uh, this year already. Appreciate that. But most important thing, this weekend, this weekend, take a kid to a garden center or take them to a farmer's market. Let them meet people who bring this stuff to life and bring it to us. Show kids how to do what we do best, folks, and that's get dirty. See you all next week.